Hi, this is Jay Kneib. He is a longtime Bremerton resident. Um, how long have you been here? I have been here since 1985. Yeah, okay, since 1985. So, um, what brings you to Bremerton? Um, the United States Navy brought me to Bremerton, actually. Um, first time here on the USS John Adams, and then, uh, yes, USS John Adams, like I said, about 1985. Came out for a decommissioning here mm. at Georgetown Naval Shipyard. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, what was it like being on that submarine? Mm -hmm. It's a whole other world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the people that know understand. Uh, the people that don't, we've often made easy descriptions. Um, the yeah. weather is 68 and fluorescent. Yeah. Uh, or the other part is just going down in a sewer pipe, you know, just being in a big steel tube. Yeah. Uh, you can, the farthest anyone can ever see in a straight line distance is 20 yards. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Knibe. Correct. Old you said your name is Knibe. Um, you say that's, uh, what, where do you get that, um, where's that name it's from? German origin. Truncated in the mid-1800s when the family came over from Germany to mm. had immigrated, immigrated into Ellis Island. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you know, just had happened with every immigrant family. They, you know, the, the Americans that were working the desk mm -hmm. chopped it down to whatever made sense to their ear, their language, mm -hmm. and put in whatever consonants, vowels. They spelled it the way it sounded to them. Because, of course, you've got an immigrant that doesn't speak the language. How can you say X, Y, Z in your language and translate it to someone who doesn't know their language? Yeah. So they're mm -hmm. mostly done phonetically. Mm -hmm. Or or maybe they would ask, write your name if you're able. And mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure a lot of people coming over from Europe maybe didn't even know how to write their own name. That's very interesting. Uh, but, yeah, the people can speak. Everybody can speak. But there are a lot of people that cannot read and write, certainly mm -hmm. back then. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, make your mark. They just made an X and somebody would witness it. You know, you know, yeah. There was a lot of that that people just did not know how to read or write. Oh, you've been in Bremerton since uh, the 80s. Mid 80s, 1985, yeah. thereabouts. Yeah. Most people can recall the, the sign that was on the freeway outside of Seattle, the last one out, turn off the lights mm -hmm. when Boeing was in decline and the recession was going on. Yeah, so it was that kind of time frame. Bremerton was in a similar state of decline. The mall had recently been built in Silverdale. The commercial hub that was Bremerton was just evaporating quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, the big stores were fading fast, if not already gone. Mm -hmm. uh, the J.C. Penney, that's now a parking garage, mm -hmm. was in its last days. Um, some of the local uh, Charlie B's, Cons, um, mm -hmm. the old Sears store. Um, what was on the corner of Washington was the Ben Franklin and Woolworths mm -hmm. yeah. and some of those places yeah the buildings were still there but the, the businesses were gone or mostly gone mm -hmm. when I came here you know and I, I've spoken with co-workers and friends that I've made out here that can recall mm -hmm. um, the, the classic teenagers driving down Main Street mm -hmm. seeing and being seen you know and there that happened but that faded quickly Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there used to be a lot of that going on mm -hmm. from what was then what West High and or that's no, I think well I remember Bremerton High School being built. Mm. Yeah, I see I don't corner. remember that. 
so yeah, that probably would have been either the tail end of West High or more likely early the earliest days of the, the building we know as Bremerton High School. Some other thinking, because we were originally going to have snow, here we are in first day of December. Mm-hmm. Um, however many years ago when what was then the Eagle Hardware and Fred Meyer where the roof collapsed because of the weight of the snow. Yeah. Do you remember that event? I do. Okay. And those places never survived. Eagle Harbor um, mm-hmm. went three blocks down the street primarily to get outside of city limits to avoid paying that much more in taxes. Mm-hmm. And the other building... Um, the Kmart. Kmart, thank you. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of trying to think of the Kmart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they just never really came back. Yeah. And maybe that coincided with the coming of Amazon. Mm-hmm. That just might have been the, the last death knell for those places. You know what I find interesting about East Bremerton is there's only one hotel. And that's, yeah, right at the top of the hill, mm-hmm. right by the light. And that place, Midway, mm-hmm. that place has been there forever. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's struggled through the decline because there's all of East Bremerton, all hotels. Just went, hmm. That's very, I, I always found that yeah, very that interesting. Yeah, that is a curiosity. I don't think yeah. that ever would have occurred to me, certainly until you mentioned it. Yeah. That is, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And what do they thrive on? What's their business? Is it contractual you know, stuff question. from people going, staying, working at PSNS? And, because you know, I know the Fairfield gets a lot of those because they're obviously so much closer. Yeah. I think um, maybe, maybe the hospital. Oh, you know. yeah. And there, there's a there's a navy complex. There's actually a really interesting uh, uh, ravine. Um, there's an uh, old navy housing right on the water in East Bremerton, the Manette area. Yeah, you know Manette's yeah. beautiful, mm-hmm. but Manette essentially is a suburb of downtown Bremerton. Yeah, uh-huh. and uh, beautiful. Well, yeah, because that was called East Park. Mm-hmm. The yeah. West Park, and that was East Park. Yeah. 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 So, you know, starting from there, there was kind of a hub. Then you had the hospital right there. Mm. So there were probably some hotels and stuff going on around there, maybe. But I don't know. That's I, that's just guessing. God, what was that ancient little tavern where the, there was a big retaining wall, oh. and there was a pine tree in or something like Maple that? Maple leaf. Maple leaf. Thank yeah. you. I know my taverns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maple leaf, yeah. <laughs> that place looked ancient back then as if it was going to ready to fall down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I love the eagles. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've seen quite a few. T- um... Well, we usually have an eagle or two perched there. Awesome. So imagine, you know, that's they can see. Yes. This time of year, normally it's quite uh, quite nasty. For the longest time, I felt like... Uh, uh, climate change is not necessarily man-made. It's just a. Uh, uh, it's just climate a, change is real. Yes. And t- to what extent we are at fault or responsible, or I guess would be a better term. Mm-hmm. I think a lot. Mm-hmm. Now there certainly there are cycles in the climate throughout you know, history. We can see that. Yeah. However, I am quite convinced that we are responsible to a large part for the. Ch- change or the pace of change mm-hmm. is due to us yeah yeah and i do too. i don't i don't think we're really going to be able to 
forestall it, clearly not going to be able to prevent it. No. Uh, I don't know that many people are willing to take the really painful steps mm-hmm. to help mitigate or offset what we could do. If, if we had focused on this 10 years ago, we'd be far better off or farther ahead than we are now. Mm-hmm. And we still have uh, clearly a president and an administration that's going against the tide, uh, accelerating mm-hmm. or worsening the rate yeah. of change, whereas at least you know, all of the other countries that are signatories to the Paris Climate Accord are making strides, however small they might be, but they're at least doing something. Mm-hmm. We seem to be walking backwards from that. Yeah. Well, look right there. Why do we have pineapple and grapefruit on our table on December 1st? in the Northwest. What did it take to get those things here? For a a pineapple that cost $3. Yep, it took a lot of gas and energy to get that there. Yes. Yep, that thing came from South America, I'm sure. Yeah, Hawaii. At least Hawaii. Hawaii, yeah. But uh, I know our apples uh, come from South America. Apples come from all over the place, yeah, but we send ours somewhere, other people send theirs to us. Yeah, super weird. (laughs) (laughs) I've been in construction my whole life, and uh, I thought that was odd that our lumber comes from Canada. The lumber I use to build houses comes from Canada. But geographically, it's, you know, as far as the, the closest mill... Mm-hmm. They may not be the closest mill, uh, but they are they are a regional player. Yeah. It, it doesn't take much to get a truckload of lumber across the border. Right. So in essence, they're four hours away. They may be one of the closest or cheapest mills. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other side, look how many of our logs go on a ship, go to China, yeah. and come back as yeah. finished lumber, Yeah, which is even more bizarre to me. Yep. Yeah, but yeah, the the lumber you you would think here in the Northwest mm-hmm. that the logs that are being taken, especially with a sustainable forest initiative, the logs that are coming out of Mason County, for instance, the last place somebody recently logged, mm-hmm. there's not a mill. Stimson you know, is Stimson still a thriving concern in Belfair? Yeah. I haven't been down there in a long time, but I mean that was a seemingly a to me a big mill. Yeah, with rail cars going out of there every day. Yeah. So, yeah, why doesn't the lumber you buy come from there? Mm-hmm. But do you buy lumber from um, Shane here at Kitsap Lumber, a local yeah. business? Or do you to. buy from Home Depot or Lowe's who can get you 88 cents a board foot or whatever yeah. the best price is? Yeah. I, I prefer Kitsap Lumber. They have a better um, quality of wood. Unfortunately, their um, their quality... Is their selection is going downhill? And yeah, it's, it's a shame. I I wasn't surprised. Shane put a lot of effort in that mm-hmm. the first couple of years after he bought the place from Chris. Shane had worked for Chris for many years and bought the business uh, and put in a lot of effort. And as you well know, he was doing the books. You know, he was doing all the almost everything he could, trying to keep expenses down. Mm-hmm. Um, to his credit, he. He keeps a good number of employees, um, but it's a tough world. You know, yes. Anything in retail is tough, and you know, it's all markup, all bottom line. Mm-hmm. 
and finding people that will go out of their way to support a local business is hard to do. You know, most people are going to go to the big box store that they're familiar with mm -hmm. or that has the rewards program, the loyalty program, the cash yeah. back, whatever things they have. Mm -hmm. And just by vo volume and economy of scale has a better price. Yeah. Yeah. You know, along that note, I noticed that uh, at least the younger generation is, I think they're starting to get wise to the consumerism and, and, some seem to be. I would agree yeah. with that. Yes, they're they're recognizing that climate change is a real issue, and as far as if they recognize the source or not, they are at least taking initiatives to to not uh, leave such a carbon footprint. So you can see that group of people is um, getting away from disposable things, single use mm -hmm. items. Uh, certainly the. The picture of the, the tortoise with the straw stuck in its nostril you know, galvanized a lot of people to say, well, let's get rid of plastic bags, plastic straws, etc. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. There are signs that the young people are yeah. seeing it, they're getting it, yeah. and they're starting to change their behavior and decisions. Our other enterprise, the Frog Soap, Yeah. Uh, my wife came up with this. Um, close to 10 years ago no. now. What does is, what is FROG stand for again? FROG is an acronym that stands for From Reclaimed Oil and Glycerin. The base product starts with uh, used vegetable oil from local restaurants. Okay. And she has a process. Of course, she filters it several times. Uh, mm -hmm. And good relationship with the restaurant owners. They know the cleaner the oil, the better it is. So they change it frequently, which is better for their bottom line, uh -huh. for their customers, because they mm -hmm. don't get whatever off flavors, weird flavors that get you know, lingering in used oil. Uh, so she takes this oil, filters it, and then has worked out all the correct ratios for various oils, whether soy, canola, what, whatever they might be, mm -hmm. uh, and then adds the correct amount of lye to turn it into soap, the way our great-grandparents made it, you know, with bacon grease or pig fat or whatever it might have been, and lye, and that's how soap was made. And that was done, of course, every winter after animals were butchered, mm -hmm. so they had all the fat, all of the meat, I mean, all of the grease. Um, and that's the picture of the, the classic farm scene with the giant iron kettle, the big cauldron out in the yard and fire, and yeah, so that's when they were rendering that grease, that fat with lye, boiling it in lye. Okay. And when you, know, you didn't even have to know math or science, you just started with a pot of lye and water. When enough grease or fat went in, it turned to soap, you were done. You didn't have to really make measurement or ratios. You just had a rough idea of this many pounds of that and this many gallons of that. And you got around that number and eventually it magically all turned to soap. The lie was done with the process, and you couldn't go any farther. So yeah. that's you know that's it's it's centuries old process. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Um, modern technology Amazing. took everybody away from that. Yeah. And then of course advertising created a demand for something that was being made, or changed. So they created a different line of things that yeah. people know as soap or detergent. Yep. And scent and bubbles and colors mm -hmm. and things were added and changed. 
And, and it said, also uh, created the uh, soap opera. Created the soap <laughs> opera, indeed. Thanks yeah. to the sponsorship of whatever soap company yeah. that was. Yeah. Yes, that's the soap opera. So yes, a centuries-old process, mm-hmm. um, tuned to modern ways, uh, modern methods, if you will. But it's fundamentally the same process. Yeah. Still, lye and water and animal fat, or fat because it can be done with palm oil or mm-hmm. with coconut oil or various other things. They're, yeah. they're essentially fats, whether they be animal or vegetable. It's still a fat and reacts with lye and creates a thing called soap. Yeah, has been for centuries. Yeah, I've seen uh, I've seen uh, frog soap um, around uh, downtown Bremerton and at the food co-op flea market and the flea market. And, you know, yep, the flea market there and, and the, the food co-op. Yep. Laura makes this frog soap and she makes other um, products out of this lye process, right? Well, she makes many other products as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So this is the CBD hemp seed oil, mm. which is good for old bones and aching joints. Uh, that's lemon vanilla hand lotion. That's the beard balm, um, laundry soap. Yeah, I tried some of this yeah. beard balm. It's uh, I don't quite have a beard though. <laughs> and <laughs> but, I, uh, I thankfully got rid of mine yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I took the prize for the grayest beard. Yeah. The what is the the restaurant now known as Hound and Bottle it used to be. The Honor Bar, run by Alan and Jody Davis, who mm-hmm. live over in Manette. Now that's where the restaurant is. Mm-hmm. Um, they are both advocates of doing things locally, and uh, Alan often shopped at the farmer's market and gets a lot of his stuff from local vendors, farmers, mm-hmm. wherever he can, uh, and has had a couple of those farm-to-table sort of dinners mm-hmm. that highlight local products, local uh Dairy, local cheese, local vegetables, mm-hmm. and occasionally local meat. Certainly, locally sourced seafood. Oh, what was his name again? Alan Davis. Alan Davis. Okay. Hound and bottle in Manette. Uh, what else? The frog soap. That's your wife. What's your wife's name again? Laura. Laura. L a u r a. Bremerton's history mostly is about navy stuff. Um, oh, absolutely. Um, you know, being a submariner. That's. Intrigued me. My my father was a submariner, and that's what got me out. That's what uh, brought your family yeah, here. Brought my family here. Was my father was on the submariner sonar tech. You know quite a bit of history of Bremerton. Um, this is a lot of Navy stuff around here that's very intriguing. In fact, you live right by an old base. Uh, it's got some bunkers hidden in the hills. <laughs> Absolutely. This was yeah, right down the street was what was then Naval Ammunition Depot. And I think they first started that installation early 1900s, 1908, 1910. Okay. Yeah. 1910. Wow. I think it goes back that far. Yeah. yeah. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Ah, uh, shoot. I lived in West Park. There, I, when I lived there, there was a bunker in the in the hill. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yep. An old uh, uh, bomb shelter, essentially. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah, because, uh, and I think probably late 30s, early 40s, any public project had to be designed and built with bomb shelter standards in mind yeah. or built to. Like every church basement, every uh, Masonic temple, um, gosh, art museum, any public civic project 
-hmm. had to have bomb shelter style construction and uh, actually almost all of them had some sort of placard on the corner or face of almost every one of those buildings. That's fascinating. And you may well not remember that, but I no, I, I, I think I remember like no, that is before my time, but, right, but but yeah, but in North Dakota, I remember that 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 similar to uh, I thought it was a tornado shelter, but it's the same idea. Every bank yeah. has a basement. Yes, they're good. Every, that's a good example. A bank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Any any large scale building would have been built with bomb shelter in mind. Yeah, that was. I'm sure it was code. It was required. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and tornado would have been advantageous, but the bank would be reluctant to open the doors during a tornado. But mm-hmm. certainly, in the event of a nuclear war, which was North Dakota had a lot of silos. Yes. And can we have a B one B fifty? No, B fifty two base. That's my not is South Dakota, right? No, that's North, North Dakota. Dakota. Okay, uh-huh. yeah, then, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we had B-52s there, and I'm sure they had you know, a whole lot of missile silos in and around. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember <laughs> I remember driving by just huge miles, miles of empty fields with fences around them. One little building. And uh, yeah, I was like, what? That is weird. It's not a farm. What is that? And, uh, <laughs> one of the locals finally told me, like, yeah, that's where the, the nukes are at. And I'm like, what? Yeah, they're right under they're the ground. Yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, that's a little scary. <laughs> but makes sense. I yeah. have a little fact about North Dakota. It's the there's a there's a spot close to Minot actually that um, you're the farthest from any water from any ocean <laughs> in the you know in, in the, the continent in the continent. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, thinking back for yeah a whole lot of Navy stuff. It was what Lieutenant Ambrose was the first one to sail around Puget Sound and started sighting the what would become the shipyard. And he petitioned and argued in favor of getting a shipyard here. Yeah. Uh, and then it was then Lieutenant Wyckoff, I think, was another principal in getting, uh, was the first commander of this fledgling shipyard. Mm-hmm. And from there, you know, with uh, certainly the advent of greater and greater conflicts opening the West and, you know, passage to the Far East, you know, a whole lot of things, you know, made sense working, having some things to fix things in the, on the West Coast, yeah. obviously. And then, you know, the coming of World War One, that many more ships being built. Uh, and then certainly World War Two was the boom for this time, for this place, mm-hmm. you know, that's what made East Park and West Park get built. Was mm-hmm. that was housing for shipyard people. Mm-hmm. All those hundred and one little five hundred square foot places built in and houses carved into tiny rooms to accommodate yeah. all these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where <clears throat> the money came to. Um, so you both thinking both the theaters, both the Roxy and the Admiral Theater, were built in mid forties. And despite having limits on construction materials and everything supposedly saved for the war effort, those were given waivers because they were entertainment for the community here. And then, of course, as you, and when you, th- you think of all the tiny little taverns and things, watering holes, they're here. And I'm sure there was a lot of bootleg liquor being made yeah. in town. I just learned recently that uh, 
this to me it was always the horse and cow but um apparently it used to be a strip club that doesn't surprise me i'm sure there's been, yeah, <laughs> probably been a lot of places you know yeah. a lot well think of some, those buildings what for the most part are going to be 60 to 80 years old mm-hmm. and during the decline of bremerton when the more established and respectable businesses went away mm-hmm. rent goes down and what you know what draws the sailors? The good times, baby. <laughs> the The rundown of Bremerton has brought a lot of uh, drug activity into the here too, and then we're really suffering from that. And now we got the homeless situations a bit out of control. The drug part, first off, has been here forever. Mm-hmm. When I first got out here in the mid '80s, heroin was probably much bigger, but it was here to be sure. Mm-hmm. And this was a a run-down, dying town, and any run-down, dying town has empty storefronts, low rents, um, people down on their luck, you know, all the things that conspire that bring in the dealers that are looking for prey and find people to prey on easily. And if there's not an active police presence, there are plenty of empty places for these people to crash, you know, they where they break the back door down to some abandoned business or old abandoned home and no one knows or cares for weeks or months. Mm-hmm. You know, these people just, what is the term? Not stake out. Um, not f- I squatter. Squatter, yes. Mm-hmm. So, so it was happening then. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the drugs have changed to meth or crack because um, we would see those people the ones they think they were tweakers is what they were called. Because yeah. you could spot those people because they were up all night wandering around because they had all this drug-fueled energy and didn't couldn't sleep. And they're the ones that would, you know, just malicious mischief because they needed something to keep their hands busy. So mm-hmm. they're always just breaking things, manipulating things. Just meth is still around. Oh, fentanyl is a trouble fentanyl, right now. Yeah. That one seems to be uh, killing a lot of people. Because I, I, I still find syringes in the park. Yeah. Whatever it is they were getting out of batteries. Yeah. You know, there was stores were putting a limit on whatever like you could only buy two nine volt batteries or whatever. There was some yeah. some chemical or something in the process yeah. that they were using. Yeah. So again, back to somebody knows their chemistry. Yeah. So they find some other even more dangerous product that you know then the the authorities haven't caught up with yet that has the reaction or the catalyst that they're looking for to create this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the, yeah, the one, the fentanyl, which is, is basically, is that synthetic heroin? Or it, kind it's of... An, it's an opiate, an, yes. An opiate. So and you can call it... It's man-made it's... and comes from China, yeah. and but pennies per, per the pound from yeah. at, at wholesale value, yeah. street value, whatever the heck that is. But, but yeah, that's the one that, yeah. you know, a dropper... Some inhaling the dust can kill you in a matter of a few minutes. Yeah. yeah. And as for the homeless population, I didn't see it as much in the early 80s when I was here, for, or when first got here. Yeah. Uh, it, it is probably by most accounts anecdotal, but there seem to be more of them. Mm-hmm. But with that, you know, we there are now many more services being afforded to these people. Yeah. Uh, and there has been, I would imagine... A focus on people in Seattle pushing them out of Seattle, yeah. don't care where. And, yeah. you know, it's an easy ferry to ride away, and they get certainly a network, and they know 
the services are available here. There are mm-hmm. plenty of churches and civic organizations that have facilities, whether they're doing it in the church basement or Salvation Army yeah. or Rescue Mission. or The places are there that basically are the magnet for these people. I wish there was something I could do about it, too. I'm just like, why don't we just get the homeless... Put them in a, you know, and some cheap housing like they did with uh, Navy bases and um, get them off, get them the treatment they need. And it's just not that easy. Even if that were done, most of them would not stay there. Seems like they almost choose to be homeless. Many of them do. I'm sorry, did you want to? Uh... No, I just, personal opinion, the one thing to do is when when these people, good to see the resurgence here in Bremerton. Uh, there have been a lot of very good things taking place, uh, a lot of new businesses, a lot of new places to live. The food co-op is you know, sort of a grocery store downtown. It's far better than the nothing that was there, to be sure. Yeah. The condos you know, is a necessary fact of life. It's going to have to have urban density. The only way to make a city work is to get 500 people packed into one building so you can get you know a relatively small footprint and still keep the tax base going and still have people that help support the community and the local businesses. So you know, we need those. It can't be everybody living in the tiny craftsman home and their quarter acre yard. It mm-hmm. just doesn't support a, a thriving city. Yeah. So they need to be packed in to the condos. But mm-hmm. condo better than apartment because it is ownership. So they have the same as owning this home. They own the place they live. So that instills a certain amount of pride and they will maintain better than somewhere that they don't own. From what the Bremerton that I first saw to where we are now is night and day. And it just seems as though the potential is there to get much better. Uh, With Wes Larson and the Sound West Group, purchasing a lot of properties along 4th and Pacific. Uh, So the Quincy Square thing Mm -hmm. um, may come to pass. That would would be a destination. Um, Some of the other things that... What's a Quincy Square? Quincy Square. You're familiar with Quincy Jones, the musician, director, uh who started his career in music by breaking into the armory and playing the piano. Yeah. Yeah, that's how he found okay. it. His, <laughs> I didn't his, know that. Yeah, his, his father was here, I believe, as a shipyard employee, and he and some buddies broke into the armory Yeah. and found the instruments and started playing. Oh, okay. So at 16 or 17, that's when Quincy Jones became interested in music. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, with, with that legacy, and we're going to turn his um, youthful indiscretion into a celebration of the man. Okay. So, the area around the Roxy Theater has a development project called Quincy Square. Okay. And they have the blessings of the Jones family mm-hmm. to pursue it. So um, Sound West Group is slowly working towards achieving that. Yeah. So I like we... I like that, uh, the 4th Street section there. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's really... You know, being a lifelong Bremerton resident myself, it's it is refreshing to see see the revitalization of downtown Bremerton. It is indeed, and yeah. I, East Bremerton's, you know, 
changing up some too. That old Kmart building we mentioned before, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's getting a facelift. Yep. Well, and, uh, um, if you don't go to any of the city council meetings, something to consider. Um, Leslie Dogs, the city, the council person, councilman, councilman Dogs. She <laughs> she has been a a strong advocate for that somewhat neglected side of Bremerton. Yeah. Uh, and there are there are projects going out What's there. What's her name? Leslie Dogs, D A U G S. So yeah, she's been a, an advocate for getting you know more projects and some more attention sent that way. Uh, like mm. look, the whole redoing of Lebo Drive and Lions Field and you know yeah. improvements that have because those are old World War Two duplexy sort of places as well. Mm-hmm. So you know the, that mm. place had been fallen into some serious decline. Yeah, and is now much better yes. than it was. Oh, I remember Evergreen Park was a scary place to be when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah, there was a couple murders and stuff. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but it's a completely different place now. It is, yes. It's got them nice condos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the bus barn getting built in East Bremerton, that's yeah. quite an in, in incredible project going on. So you say Leslie Dogs, Dogs she's uh, um, kind of spearheading that East Bremerton she, area? As, as her position as city council, she has done a lot of effort to okay. get stuff done over there. Cool. And I take it you're part of uh, the city council then? No. No? Just watch. You just hang out with them? Yeah. Although <laughs> Laura does want me to run one day. Yeah. Okay. Uh, our our councilman, uh, president of the city council, yeah. Eric, lives right over there. So. Okay. It's easy to stay in touch. 